my team music. Episode 10 of season 2 of The Point After. Let's just clap it up for ourselves. Episode 10. We've done it. We're sorry. I'm sorry that this episode's coming out later than usual. Um, Other jobs have been kicking my ass. My sleep schedule's been up and down. But we are here to bring you more content. We're going to react to week 2 as well as prepare you for week 3. I'm Jackson Groff. We're joined by the QB guru himself, the most underrated broadcaster in college football, Mr. Cody Oaks. How are you doing on this fine morning? And uh, wow, I mean, just reflecting on college football, it's been a hell of a ride so far. Yeah, you know, I think it's it's good for college football when teams like Texas, uh, uh, Miami, uh, are good. And uh, we'll get into it here in the recap. Um, man, just the way the season has started off, some people have hopped some some surprises. Some people mm. have lived up to expectations. You know, honestly, just really can't wait to kind of break this down and kind of see where the season goes from here. Yeah, and when we reflect on last week, we did our picks. Cody's up on me by one game. Cody's seven and four. I'm six and five. Uh, we both missed out just barely on our upset picks. He had UCLA, uh, UCLA and San Diego State. I had. Um, Arizona, Mississippi State, which if they had a half yard more, who knows what would have happened in that game. But also, Jane Delora, you can't throw four interceptions and expect oh. to win that game as well. So um, before we get into week two, we always start our episodes out with talking about the AP Top 25. And we got to talk about the AP Top 25 here, Cody. And my, my biggest standout, Top 5. I mean, we've got to love it right now in college football. All five teams are in five different conferences. Georgia at one, Michigan at two, Florida State at three. Texas four and USC five. When you look at that top five, Texas bumping up seven spots. Do you like this top five or do you think you changed it up a little bit? I actually like it because I was a little hesitant about SC, but what they did to Stanford with all those weapons. And I think that Caleb Williams has actually elevated his play from last year when he won the Heisman. Um, mm. I think USC is a very viable uh, chance to go to the college football playoff and make some noise if they get there. So um, I, I like it. I think Texas obviously has the best win of the year going on the road to Tuscaloosa and beating Bama. And the way they did it, I think we can all agree that 10 points was not how dom- as dominant as Texas was. Like Texas dominated that game from start to finish. Mm. Um, and so it's uh, hats off to Sark. Hats off to Quinn Ewers. I didn't have you in my top 10, um, but you'll probably hear about yourself a little bit later in the show. Yeah, and we're going to do our top 10, a collaborative top 10 later in the show as well. I mean, that Texas team shocked me. Again, we'll talk about them in our next segment, Texas and Alabama. Look, through 6-10, to Ohio State at 6, they moved down one spot. You know, obviously when Texas beats Alabama and Ohio State plays a team like Youngstown State, you're going to move down a spot. Penn State stays at 7, Ohio, not Ohio State, uh, Washington at 8, Notre Dame at 9, and Alabama at 10. Um, when you look at those six through 10 there, are you happy with Alabama still at 10 and Notre Dame moving up to one, or do you think Alabama should have been out of the top 10? Um, I think Alabama's good at 10. Personally, I would probably flip Ohio state and Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame's win on the road Mm -hmm. at NC state, um, is getting discounted. I think that Mm -hmm. NC state team is scrappy. I think they're probably going to win 
eight games this year. So, and being able to go on the road with a weather delay, as we've seen, mm-hmm. weather delays can kind of mess people up, um, especially when you're on the road. Um, so, I think that uh, Notre Dame should probably be like in the six to seven range right now. Just yeah, last, what been doing. last week we saw both NFL and college football. A lot of weather delays, a lot of games that implicated with, with weather. But one thing I love most about when when insiders talk about you know quarterbacks saying like, oh, he didn't play well because the weather, oh, the rain, blah blah blah. Well, what are you going to say about Sam Hartman when he played well with the rain? You know, they always discredit the other team saying like, oh, well, you know, they would have they would have won if they didn't have rain. Well, the other team had to deal with the same shit. So like, why <laughs> why are we not why are we not dealing with them too? But um, th- yeah, then we look through eleven through the rest. I mean, obviously Tennessee at eleven, Utah twelve, Oregon thirteen, LSU fourteen, Kansas State fifteen, Oregon State sixteen, Ole Miss moves up three spots to seventeen, then Colorado at eighteen. Colorado at 18. Colorado is the 18th ranked team in the country. Um, I love Colorado. We're a Colorado lover podcast. We love Colorado. We've said in another episode, our most viewed episode, our most viewed clip, that that Colorado was going to shock the world. I don't think this should be 18, Cody. I I think this team should be at 22 where they were last week. I think Nebraska is a terrible team, 0-2. Yes, they destroyed that team. Yes, this is kind of probably based on most of the uh, the hype around them, which they deserve, but 18 moving up four spots, especially over Oklahoma, who played maybe SMU, a better team than than Nebraska. What do you think about Colorado being at 18? Um, I think that Colorado being at 18, anything like 18 to 22, I think is fine. Anything getting like creeping close to that top 15, you can't put mm. it there yet. I mm. think um, – their win against TCU at the end of the year is going to look a lot better than it does right now. I think TCU is going to be one of those teams that wins eight, maybe nine football games this year. Probably ends up in the top 25 in that 23 to 25 range. Because um, mm-hmm. I think that the Big 12 is going to be a little bit of a gauntlet this year. So um, I think that right now Colorado is right where they probably should be, could be. Uh, that was a ranked TCU team that they beat. They were ranked in the set, in, I think 17 when they beat them. Um, and they beat them at their place. So um, a win on the road against a ranked team who played for the national championship last year and is returning, a t- like, recruited well and has a lot of talent on that team. Then you go home and dominate an, a, a traditional power, but obviously Nebraska's fallen on hard times. Um, you do- dominate with all the pressure of being at home, a rivalry game. Rivalry games can be difficult because teams kind of get up and play above their head against you, especially when they're the underdog. So – I think uh, Colorado's done exactly what they're supposed to do. Shador Sanders is continuing to show people that that transition from HBCU to Power 5 is not tough for him. Um, and, uh, yeah, those receivers stepped up in a big way um, against a very, very good Nebraska defense. Not a Nebraska team, a good Nebraska defense. It's incredible, you know, the rivalries that we're seeing, not only with Colorado, but off off the field with Colorado because, you know, big noon kickoff, they're going to be there once again at Colorado, Colorado State. College game day is going there now, and people from Fox are saying, well, well we we had them before you guys did. Yeah, we, we were, were there covering them before you guys. <laughs> but, like, at the, at the end of the day, like, big noon kickoff, you're not going to compete with Texas, Alabama. You've got a contract with Colorado and stuff like that too. But, I mean, you've got first take coming there this week. You have 60 minutes coming there this week. I mean, college game day. It's truly incredible what Coach Prime's doing, and I think why people – why coaches around the college industry hated on what 
Dion's doing because Dion's the first coach. Tell me if I'm wrong, Cody. First coach that he's proved it as a player. He's won at the highest level with the Super Bowls, you know, with what he's done on the football field and the success there. But to apply it on the college football field, you get more respect from those college players because they know, okay, this guy's won multiple Super Bowls. Okay, this guy's the best DB, best two-way player probably in NFL history. I can learn from this guy because this guy's been there and done that too. And I think people don't realize, I heard Emmanuel Acho talking about this the other day. You cannot get a a guy like a GA that built his way up to a head coach acting like prime. Cause he's going to get booted out of there quickly, but it's Absolutely. prime prime has had the history of the super bowls. Um, you know what he's done broadcasting wise and what he's done in the coaching world, everything he's done, he's always been successful at it. So when these when these players see this guy and his pregame speeches, I believe in like, truly you can tell this guy believes in his players. I think it's easy for their players to do the same with coach prime when he's been there and done that. Yeah. You know, as a coach myself, I think one of the things I pride myself on is being authentic. You know, at the end of the day, I don't claim to be some gangster hood dude from, you know, South central. Like Mm. I've been through my struggles. I've been, I've played the game. I've coached at high levels. I've met, some cool people and met some, made some great connections throughout the, the process of learning the game of football. But at the same time, mm-hmm. like there's not one of my players that can say that I've lied to them or that I've ever put on a front to be something that I'm not. And I think that that's one mm-hmm. of the things that coach prime um, has done a really, really good job of is just being himself, like, and not worrying about what people think um, he moves a certain way. And some people like it. Some people don't. And frankly, at the end of the day, like as long as he's doing it his way and he's winning, what can people really tell him? So Good job, I, mean, I, I hate to be on the bandwagon too, but I love this Colorado team, man. I just love everything they're about. I think you and I are in the same boat about it, and we, we're, we're supporting Colorado, and we want to see Colorado do the best, and now they're looking like a team that's going to win seven or eight games. And when we talk about week four later on, they got a big game against Oregon and USC, which we will talk about later on too. But quickly, as we wrap up the AP poll, 19 through 25, Oklahoma, UNC. UNC goes down three points after a double overtime win against App State. 21 Duke, and then we've got four teams, Cody, in the top 25 for the first time this season. 22 Miami, 23 Washington State, hello UCLA at 24, and then Iowa. Welcome back to the top 25 after winning last week and moving out of it because of Clemson. Now they've moved you and Clemson. You're back in the top 25. Shout out to Iowa. Shout out Washington State. Um, Obviously, you love to see um, Miami in there after their big win over a ranked Mm -hmm. Texas A&M team. Uh, Tyler Van Dyke and those athletes, not only on the outside on offense, but also the secondary on defense played really, really well. Um, Mm. Miami was fun to watch this last weekend, 48 points. Um, Yeah, nice job, Miami Hurricanes. Coach Cristobal got those guys moving down there in South Beach. Yeah, and then Iowa to be back in the top 25. They haven't played well offensively. Yes, they've won. They haven't really scored as many points. So hopefully maybe later on we'll be able to see that chemistry between Iowa. You shake your head there between Cade McNamara and the OC. Yeah, I I mean (laughs) – it's Iowa. Every game's yeah. gonna be like fourteen to three. They're gonna have like eight sacks and score a pick <laughs> six and a pump block or something. <laughs> That's so funny. That's hilarious. Well, let's get into some quick uh, week two recap re- reactions and takeaways. Um, again, we understand that I, bl- I blame myself for being late on this episode, but we got to talk about week two, Cody, because there's so much to talk about. So much takeaways from it. We got to start with the biggest upset. 11 Texas on the road at 3 Alabama. They win this game 34 to 24. Um your biggest takeaway from this game, Texas beating Alabama is I mean, me being a quarterback guy, I got to go with Quinn Ewers. I mean, at the end of the day, like I said it, I said two things 
in this game. Can Quinn Ewers cut down on his turnovers and mature in the passing game and be able to hit intermediate and deep balls? And can the receivers win on the outside? Check, check. On the Alabama side, I said, can Jalen Milrow avoid big turnovers like he had last year when he filled in for Bryce Young? The answer was no. Two big interceptions that really kind of gave Texas some momentum and some belief early in the game. And so ultimately, like everything that I said was going to happen, happened. I said Texas was going to win the game, um, and they got the job done. So um, not, I didn't think they were going to dominate in the fashion that they did up front, not only offensively but defensively as well. Mm. Um, I thought for sure that Alabama was going to be able to protect the quarterback and be able to run the football. Um, I want to say Texas had five sacks of Jalen Milrow. Yeah, um, five sacks. And, and they were able to run the ball – like. They got the ball with seven minutes left and ran the clock out by running the football. That's insane. insane. Against an Alabama team that's known for stopping the run. That's insane to me. So it was what was crazy um, too is like even one of them was third and eleven. And it was like the last pivotal. It was like three minutes, maybe two, maybe two forty-five left. And even Kirk Herbstreit said, "Hey, I think they're going to throw the football here. Third and eleven. Don't be surprised if they throw it. They go, they go RB draw." right up the middle you could fit right like three rvs inside that's how big the hole was and then he slides gets the first down and they win that ball game i agree with you cody i think sark coached a hell of a game my biggest takeaway from this zero turnovers from texas four penalties versus alabama 10 penalties and four turnovers i, I, yep. four turn, I think it was four turnovers yeah um You've got to give it to Quinn Ewers and Sark. When it felt like Alabama had the momentum, they came back with the touchdown. Came back with a deep ball. 21 points in the fourth quarter. I mean, some of those dimes we saw caught by A.D. Mitchell and Xavier Worthy, my golly. You know, Cody, being a quarterback yourself. It's it's not only the in-stride in stride over the shoulder catches, but it's the ones that are away from the defensive back. And shout out to the DBs at Alabama because they can close quickly. So the, the timing on those throws too, I thought was very impressive for Quinn Ewers. And hey, maybe the no mullet's a good thing for Quinn Ewers because this kid's balling right now. I mean, in, in the biggest moment where we thought he was going to struggle, he outperformed Jalen Milrow. Yeah, he was he was far and away the best player on the field other than I think maybe that D lineman, number zero. Um, the freshman mm. that was yeah. his name, but he was Anthony, he was Anthony Hill Jr. Anthony Hill Jr. Um, which is, which impressed me about the recruiting ability from Texas and with this new transfer portal, Cody. We're seeing a lot of teams like Texas, the three hottest teams right now: Texas, Florida State, and Colorado. Absolutely abused the transfer portal, and because of the transfer portal, we're now seeing it kind of. Even playing the even playing field with some of these dynasties like the Alabama, not Georgia. We'll see Georgia when they play a good team like one of these teams. Maybe you know Tennessee, who did a lot of the transfer portal too, Cody. But this transfer portal is kind of even even playing, evening out the playing field right now. Early in these first three weeks. Yeah, definitely. I think it's also kind of creating a little bit of like it shifted power away from the big guys. So like hmm. Georgia is not going to be able to be as dominant because the depth that they created in recruiting, those guys are leaving and going and playing at places like, I don't know, a North Carolina, a Florida State, a Michigan State, a Colorado. So mm. now these guys that aren't willing to sit three years anymore behind, like on a Nick Saban team or a Dabo Swinney team or a Kirby Smart team, they're going to Coach Prime or they're going out for Coach Cristobal in Miami or they're going out to play for Coach Lanning um, out in, at uh, Oregon. So, you know, it's just one of those things where it's fun to watch. Um, and it's good for the college. It's good for the game. 
On the other side of it, um, let's talk Bama side. Because obviously Alabama fans are kind of scrambling right now, blaming Jalen Milrow for the loss. But, I mean, for me, Cody, I think it's more of the 10 penalties in the offensive line not playing well. I mean, Jalen Milrow, Jermaine Burton only had one touchdown. He technically had three because two of them got called back either holding or an illegal man downfield. But I saw a stat that half of Jalen Milrow's dropbacks, he was pressured. Half of Jalen Milrow's dropbacks were pressured. So from your perspective, being a quarterback guy, how hard is that for half of the dropbacks to be one pressured? And then especially in a game where they're down 10, trying to get back, maybe trying to make more plays than he's supposed to, trying to throw the football down the field. I don't know. What, what do you? What is your overall take of Milrow and then not only Milrow, but the offensive line being pressured? Yeah, you know, I think that um... – when you have an elite athlete like a Jalen Milrow, things like pressure in his face take puts him in that fight or flight as opposed to, okay, I got to just get to my check down. I got to make sure I maybe slide in the pocket to make a throw. It almost mm. was like I need to escape and try and run. And I think that that kind of negated some of maybe those wide receivers winning downfield. It's like, okay, I'm getting a little bit of pressure. If I sh- slide up in the pocket or maybe shift the pocket slightly to the left or to the right, and try and make this throw, I'll be able to get this ball downfield. But unfortunately, um, it looked like I said, it looked like he was coming off of reads a little quick and having to rush and get away and get out of the pocket. So uh, kudos to Texas. They had a great game plan defensively, um, and it really started to mess with Jalen Milrow, especially late in the game. So when you look at Alabama's schedule, it's kind of do or die right now. They lose one more game. They're out of the college football playoff contention. Um, they might, may, might still be able to slip in for the uh, SEC West, but they look at their schedule right now. They've got South Florida this week. They should win. They've got 17 Ole Miss at home, which will be a fun game to watch. They've also got 11 Tennessee and 14 LSU. Um, Jalen Milrow, do you think they stick with them for the rest of the season? Or do you think they kind of maybe make a switch? Maybe Ole Miss, if he struggles, they put in a Tyler Buckner or a Ty Simpson. Because we saw we saw a clip of T- Tommy Reese just frustrated because – I mean, he had his hand, he had his head in his hand, uh, trying to figure out what to do with Jalen Milrow. They had that halfback wheel that Jalen Milrow missed on too. Because Jalen Milrow's deep ball game is probably one of the best in the country, but his intermediate and short passing was definitely something to struggle against Texas. Do you think they make a change in the next coming weeks, or do you think they kind of stick with Milrow throughout the season? I think ultimately it'll depend on how he plays against South Florida. Because don't be like, look, Alabama going on the road after taking one on the chin. On the road against a South Florida team that's recruited, has a deep recruiting base in that South Florida area. Do not be surprised if it's closer than thought than we think. And especially if he turns the football over, like we said, intermediate and short passing game. I said it at the beginning of the year in our prediction episode. If Jalen Milrow can throw well in the intermediate and short passing game, which will open up those deep shots where he is very, very dynamic, but he's turning the football over right now. So right now, Jalen Milrow. Use your check down, throw slants, hitches, mesh, you know, short crossers, things like that, digs, outs. Throw those intermediate short passing passes, get the passing game rolling, get into a rhythm. Now those deep shots become a little bit more effective. And then also be able to run the football, Alabama. Like, let's get right this weekend against South Florida, hopefully. Yeah, 100%. And then on the other side of it, Texas. People are saying, you know, Texas's schedule might be easier throughout the rest of the year. Uh, they've got 15 Kansas State and at TCU in November. But, Cody, they also got Oklahoma, 19 Oklahoma, first week of October. So, 
that's a game you got to circle on your calendar, Texas fans, because, yes, Texas is up right now. They're in the top four. Uh, obviously, the third-ranked team in the country. Um, I believe they're the third-ranked team. Yeah, we just talked about it. They're the third-ranked co- team in the country. Um, what does Texas have to do to keep this up? What do they have to do to keep themselves in playoff contention, make their way to the Big 12 championship, hopefully undefeated, not having to worry about, okay, if we lose this game, we're not going to make the playoff type scenario for Texas Longhorns? Just keep doing what you're doing. I know they kind of slept walked against Rice in that first one. To me, all it said was they were looking forward to that Alabama game. Mm. So as long as they don't have any letdowns, which unfortunately in the past they've had this letdown. Like a few years ago, they beat Notre Dame, and Joe Tessitore was like, oh, they're back. Texas is back. And Charlie Strong's jumping up, crowds rushing the field. And then they go like five and seven. The second biggest game of the weekend, the one that had most of the attention. They keep the ratings keep going up with this team every single week. They could be called America's team here shortly. Twenty two Colorado against Nebraska. Colorado wins handily thirty six to fourteen. Uh I mean where do we start? Do we start with Nebraska's poor play first? No, we're going to start with Colorado's excellent play in the second half, scoring 23 second-half points, led by Shador Sanders, who hit the Dion shuffle in the end zone as well. Cody, what is your biggest takeaway from this Colorado domination at home, first home game for Boulder? I think for me was how that defense responded. I guarantee you probably in practice, Coach Prime probably called him out and said, look, guys, we got to be better. And, uh, man, were they ever. Uh Nebraska had, I think, Nebraska ran like probably one long play was that um, the quarterback draw uh, that Jeff Stems took like 50 to the crib or something like that. But Mm. other than that, Nebraska was completely bottled up the entire game. That front, not only the front four, but also those linebackers and DBs were playing well. Um, Really got to hand it to Colorado. They're starting to round into shape, round into form. I really think that the fact that their defense was able to have that good a showing, especially heading into a winnable game against Colorado State, and then that first big test, which will be on the road at Oregon coming up here in week four, which, again, I'm sure we'll talk about later. But, man, I am absolutely very impressed with how Colorado played defensively in this football game. For me, I think you've got to mention how poorly Nebraska played at quarterback. What are we going to do here at quarterback? It's, I mean, when do we pull the plug? Jeff Sims, uh, three turnovers this game, three turnovers the game before, three picks for him, and three, two fumbles and one interception here. Um, it just feels like, I don't know, it just feels like, you know, when you play in high school and the coach's kid's the quarterback and, like, he keeps making all these mistakes and you're like, hey, why is this guy not being pulled out? It feels like Jeff Sims is the kid of Matt Rule. I mean, what are we doing here? I mean, you're in a position where you're, you keep losing. You keep losing games because of this guy. Yes, he can run the ball, but 106 yards passing, 9 of 15. That's just, uh, I don't know. That's awful for me. Uh, that's one of my biggest takeaways there. And my other takeaway, I don't know why NCAA, you need to get, the, I don't know why. Why do sacks count as rushing yards? Because I'm looking at Shador Sanders, minus 30 rush. It says that the Colorado rushed for 58 yards, but it's like, realistically, they rushed for like probably about 80, which is still not the best. However, yeah. with the sack total there moving down to 58, I just think that's – I hate that, man. I hate when, like, the sacks count as rushing yards. Yeah, I think one of the takeaways from that was Shador kind of held on to the ball a little bit today or on the, over the weekend. I think mm. there are a couple times where he could have easily thrown the football away um, and he chose to kind of try and extend the play, run out of the pocket. Don't get me wrong, like, love the confidence. But sometimes you have to understand, like, no, when to cut it loose. Um I, there was a time, there was a part in the game where I started thinking, like, is this dude trying to preserve his completion percentage right now? 
<laughs> because ultimately there was times where it was like they showed like the, the you know sometimes after a sack they'll show the secondary and be like look look at this coverage downfield everyone's strapped up it's like clearly everyone's covered throw it away <laughs> mm, yeah so, um hopefully he's able to either find a check down or maybe they're able to kind of understand like okay um when they go zone we got to find a way to you know get someone open or those receivers do some scramble drill work this week um but man coach sean lewis in that second half really got that offense rolling um and uh the defense continued to strap Colorado or nebraska up in the second half so shout out shador sanders shout out coach prime um in colorado 2-0 uh they should be 3-0 and heading up to oregon so mm. that would be fun to watch yeah and it's one thing that's crazy to me about Shador Sanders is you kind of reference him. Yes, people are going to say, why are you referencing to Michael Jordan? Here's why. Michael Jordan, when he played, he always found something that, like, either something small that ticked him off that kind of put him over the edge. Shador Sanders keeps finding every something, like, each week to kind of tick him off and, you know, prove, okay, I need to be that guy and play better. Like, week one with, with the defensive coordinator, offensive coordinator from TCU – and yep. back then when he was out of camp, he treated him wrongly. He said, I want to go beat this guy. And then Nebraska. How about the whole Nebraska team being on the logo of Colorado? Shador Sanders breaking that up and then flexing his rolly in front of that guy. That right there, like, you knew you were Fox. You knew you were Fox. When he's doing that, I said, okay, like, this guy's going to go off. Absolutely. So hopefully Colorado State doesn't do anything similar. Hopefully they keep their mouth shut because they're going to get rolled. I think, I think Colorado's favored by 19 right now. In that game, which I would take them 100%, um, which I don't even know why they were only favored by two and a half. They People who bet on Colorado that game won so much money, either on the spread or either on the money line for Colorado. <laughs> two and a half points seems super low. But I know a team that will not will not be stupid when it comes to pregame uh, gimmicks and stuff. It's the next team we're going to talk about is Oregon. 13 Oregon at Texas Tech. Um, this was a battle, but you got to give credit to Oregon where credit's due. 20 points in the fourth quarter. Uh, this is a team that shocked me completely. I didn't know what we were going to see from Oregon this year. They're fast. They're explosive. Bo Nix led the charge. And, uh, yeah, they made plays when plays need to be made most, including that pick six to end the game, to seal the game for Oregon at Lubbock. Yeah, you know, actually what surprised, what really showed Bo Nix's medal was at one point Texas Tech was up, I think, 27 to 16. Mm. And it looked like they were about to run away with the game. And Bo Nix put together back-to-back touchdown drives that kind of settled Oregon down, got them back in the game. And their defense stood up too. And that's, to me, when you're able to go on the road into hostile environment, a couple time zones away, you have a senior quarterback on uh, under center. Your defense has, they've done a really good job recruiting under Dan Lanning, that defensive group. Um, so really in that like kind of like mid third quarter to the end of the game, Oregon dominated and it was just fun to watch a good team kind of start to smash the gas pedal and really start to play to their potential. So that was really cool to watch. What's crazy to me too, is that Bo Nix continues to get better and better. He's had a three O season, three years, three O season, three years, one being at Auburn. And then I, I don't know if Kenny was Kenny Dillingham. He wasn't the OC at Auburn. Was he, he was like the kind of the quarterback's coach at Auburn because then he went over to Oregon and then he's the OC at Oregon. And then now he's got a different OC with, I forget his name. Um, over there, I think it's Joe something over there at Oregon. But, Cody, why do you think Bo Nix is – because we, we saw him at Auburn. He was a turnover machine. Now we're kind of seeing him in a different light where he's now projected to be a first-round, second-round talent. What is it about Bo Nix that's impressed you the most, and why, has he keep, why does he continue to keep getting better? 
I think for me, it's a combination of a couple things. One, there's the maturity factor, right? He was a young Mm. freshman. Like, there was a ton of expectations on him. Whole family went to Auburn. He's an Auburn kid through and through. Mm. I think that that comes with a little level of pressure that you have to perform and you have to make the big play every single time. Now, also, I think offense coordinator has something to do with it and also kind of the players around him. Can you name an Auburn receiver from the last four or five years? Me neither. So no. <laughs> you think of like a Troy Franklin, a Gary Bryant. These are former four and five star players that really put in a lot of work, not only at the high school level, but now they've been doing it at the college football level as well. And then on the other side of it, obviously being Texas Tech, um, people are kind of saying right now, 0-2, that they're done. Texas Tech, I don't think you're done. I think you've still got a lot ahead of you. Um, Tyler Shuck didn't play well. Three picks and one fumble, obviously. Um, no, no fumble, sorry. Three picks, one of the picks being, oh, no, he did have a fumble. I had a fumble there, so four turnovers for him. Um, but he also did a lot on his legs, 101 yards. But I think the sky's the limit for this Texas Tech team. I had him in my Big 12 championship. I still think they can turn around here. They've got a tough schedule, though, obviously playing Texas the last game. But um, from your perspective, what is it that you like about Texas Tech, and what do you think they need to do better to kind of flip the script and turn it around? I think they just need to finish. In both games that they've played, they've had a double-digit lead. And I think that that should give them a little bit of confidence kind of going into this conference slate. But also, alarm bells kind of going off in the same vein. You guys have had double-digit leads in both of your games. You could easily be 2-0. Right now, everyone's high on you. Maybe the the pressure of expectations are starting to get to those guys. Hopefully, senior quarterback coming back. They should be just fine. Get into conference play. Get their feet under them. Get their first win this weekend. And then kind of ride, ride the momentum from there. So those were the three biggest games that we we thought um, from week two. Let's kind of briefly, you know, quick thoughts, reactions, takeaways um, from the other things that happened in week two. Because there was a lot that happened in week two, but we're going to try to condense it as we got a lot to talk about this episode. Cody, your biggest takeaway other than what we talked about is? Biggest takeaway for me, <clears throat> what's going on with the SEC? Mm. What's going on? LSU loses to Florida State. South Carolina loses to North Carolina. Florida loses to Utah. Texas beats Alabama. Arizona is a couple yards away from beating Michigan State on the road. Auburn goes to Cal. Cal. And almost gets beat. Like, what's yeah. going on with the SEC right now? Is there a talent drain? Transfer portal, like we were talking about? Is that affecting the depth and the competition level in the SEC? We don't know. Uh, my biggest takeaway has got to be for Notre Dame. I mean, I think this team's still being slept on. They score 45 points against an ACC team like NC State on the road, battling the rain delay. Um, I'm loving what this team's doing. Sam Hartman, obviously, at the realm, a quarterback, the way they're throwing the football. Not only do you – they've got a lot of playmakers offensively. It seems like a new guy every single week, right? We had Jaden Greyhouse for week one. Um, this one we had, we had Holden State's. Four catches, 115 yards, and two touchdowns. But, I mean, this running back for Notre Dame is just an absolute beast. Audrey Esteme, this dude's 227 pounds, 5'11". Um, I'm excited to see him when, when the primetime games start going for Notre Dame right now. But this is a team that continues to surprise me each week. I think that's my biggest takeaway for the first two weeks. Is there another one, another takeaway for you for week two? Biggest one for me, um, The question, it's, a, it's more of a question. Is Miami for real, or is Texas A&M what I said they are, which is not very good? Mm. Um, Texas A&M, double-digit lead, on the road, at Miami. All of a sudden, Miami explodes and goes crazy. Um, in the second, From the second quarter on, it was like Miami, it was like Miami of old. Now, can we get 
can we get Miami some fans in their damn stadium? Goodness gracious. <laughs> yeah, we could have like, went in there for like five bucks, dude. We could have sat we could have sat front row. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Miami's an interesting team. Tyler Van Dyke seemed like he's been there for ages. Um, he's been there forever. I don't know yeah. what Tyler Van Dyke is. But hey, they've got they've got the uh, chemistry building there and I hope Miami's back cuz it's best when Miami's back, when Texas is back, USC's back on the top and maybe they can be a contender, maybe another team in the ACC to kind of fight against Florida State. That matchup's going to be crazy. Uh for me, I mean, how about the Pac-12, but more specifically Washington State, right? This is a team that's trying to figure out what they're going to do next. Uh, their coach said after the game, we belong in the Power Five. A big win against Wisconsin. I didn't think they were going to beat Wisconsin the way they shut them down. Um, in the throwing game, Tanner Mordecai looked con- confused at some points. But again, the running game to only hold them to 91 yards rushing, 20 yards for Braylon Allen, who we thought I said was a breakout player, still think he will. And for their other running back, Ches Malusi, uh, I mean, obviously they threw more because they were down, but I mean, you got to give credit to Cam Ward, this Washington State offense. And now you look at another team in the Pac 12. There's so many Pac 12 teams, Cody. I'm just nervous that none of them are going to make the playoff because there's so much talent that they might just beat each other out again. Yeah, you know, like it's survival of the fittest. Whoever makes mm. it through the freaking gauntlet of the Pac 12 deserves to be in the college football playoff as long mm. as they only have one, one loss. Shit, I'm, you might even say two losses at this point, as deep as that conference is. So, um, as Pac-12 guys, hopefully we can watch, we can see it happen in the last year of the iteration. But uh, yeah, shout out to Wazoo um, and Oregon State. I mean, both of them. I think they're both undefeated, so hmm. it's gonna be fun to watch. Another team that I hope. Cam Rising plays and hopefully gets healthy and their starters get healthy as Utah survived a close game against Baylor. At Baylor is a tough place to play. Um, I was impressed with them. But, Cody, you mentioned before the program that there's a certain player that, oh, I forgot how elite elite he was. Welcome to the program. And I'm going to give you the floor to mention this certain player. Yeah, you know, uh, in week one, we were kind of like, yo, if this quarterback cannot get his guys the ball, Ohio State's going to struggle. So shout out Marvin Harrison Jr. Welcome back to the conversation as the best player in college football. Um, I think four catches, 122 yards, and two touchdowns in the first quarter. Yeah, you heard that right. <laughs> in the first quarter. Um, I realize they're playing Youngstown State, but folks, when everyone knows who you are, they're rolling coverage to you, and you're still able to put up four catches, 122 yards, and two touchdowns in mm. a quarter. Did I mention it was the quarter? A quarter? First quarter. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty impressive. So um, I'm sure we talked about it kind of during the day, like, yo, Kyle McCord, throw me the fucking ball, please. And uh, he finally got the job done. Um, and I think now that, that is, that's allowed kind of Ryan Day to kind of settle on Kyle McCord as a starting quarterback going forward. But I do still believe that Devin Brown has a chance to play, especially if Kyle McCord gets the bet against Notre Dame in week four. Yeah, let's talk about that. It came out today that Ryan Day said that Kyle McCord will be the starting quarterback for the rest of the season, um, even though they've only played Youngstown State and Indiana. They play Western Kentucky this weekend. But again, they play at Notre Dame. That's a big test. I think home against Maryland's a big test at Maryland. Um, home against Penn State at Wisconsin. And obviously Michigan at the rest at the end of the year. Um, what are your thoughts about him announcing Kyle McCord for the rest of the year? Obviously, you just said Devin Brown's got an opportunity to still play, but... What, what does that tell you about Devin Brown if, if he's, 
you know, if, if Ryan Day says, hey, we're going to go with Kyle McCord for the rest of the season. I'm just kind of confused by this whole situation where they said they were going to play both quarterbacks heading in for the first three games. Denver Brown doesn't even get a chance. He gets like maybe one series, maybe one passing, one throw against Indiana, and that was it. So um, will we seek uh, an improvement here of Kyle McCord in the next coming weeks? But just your overall thoughts about this move from Ryan Day. You know, I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day, Ryan Day is a professional. He's done a really good job with all, every quarterback that he's gotten. Um, mm. Even usually in year one with guys, Justin Fields, uh, CJ Stroud, even in year one with those guys, did they have a little bit of growing pains early? Sometimes. Um, CJ Stroud's being when they lost to Oregon, right? So mm. um, I guess he's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, we'll, we'll put our faith in Coach Day and his decision-making. Obviously, he's the power five head coach of Ohio state and we're podcasters, but at the same Mm. time, um, it is kind of something that we've talked about, you know, never know. Never know. And the next segment, we never know what's going to come out of Cody's mouth. We're going to do Cody's top five quarterbacks of week two. This list I'm excited for. There was a lot that happened this weekend. What does Cody think? The QB guru himself. Let's start out with your honorable mention for week two quarterbacks. So honorable mention, anytime you have a 92% completion rate, to me, that's impressive. I don't care who wow. you're playing against. So, shout out to Spencer Rattler from South Carolina. 25 of 27, 345 yards, three touchdowns, zero picks, 47 to 21 win over Furman for South Carolina. Spencer Rattler, you are our honorable mention for week two. Number five. Number five. I said it earlier in the show. This guy has elevated his play from last year when he was the best player in college football. Caleb Williams. 19 for 21, 281 yards, three touchdowns, a rushing touchdown, another game with no turnovers. The guys elevated his game above where he was playing at last year when he won the Heisman Trophy. Guys, unreal. So excited to see him versus Shador Sanders, week five. Cannot wait. But who's at number four? Speaking of Shador Sanders, number four, Shador Sanders, Colorado. Big win, 36-14 over Nebraska. 31 of 42, 393 yards, two touchdowns through the air, one rushing, and probably would have been his Heisman moment if the receiver could have caught it when he broke to the right, broke like three, four tackles on the two-point conversion, threw it, yanked his helmet off. Even though the guy dropped the ball, I feel like that was probably like the play of the year so far. Mm -hmm. Um, So shout out Shador Sanders. You're our number four quarterback for week two. Number three. Number three. We talked about him earlier. Bo Nix. The guy's matured past the level that we've seen so far for him. Um, big win on the road. To me, time, place, and opponent makes a difference on where you get ranked. So Bo Nix, Oregon, on the road at Texas Tech, 32 of 44, 359 yards, two touchdowns. Um, he also had 38 yards rushing, which doesn't look like a lot, but when you think about and factor in, like, okay, this was a first down, that was a first down, that was a big run to keep a drive going. Um that was really big by Bo Nix. So shout out to Bo Nix. You're our number three quarterback for week two. Number two. Our number two quarterback. They had a big win over Texas A&M over the weekend, and he was a big reason why. Tyler Van Dyke from University of Miami. 21 of 30, 374 yards, and five touchdowns with no turnovers. Tyler Van Dyke, you're starting to kind of step into your own finally at the University of Miami. He has some really good weapons, good young weapons on the outside. Also, that defense actually stepped up in the second, third, and fourth quarter. So shout out to Miami and the Hurricanes. Tyler Van Dyke, you are our number two quarterback for week two. And at number one. 
had the biggest win of the weekend, probably the biggest win of the year. Mm. Uh, no turnovers. He cut the mullet. The man is playing really, really well. Um, shout out to Quinn Ewers. 24-38, 349 yards, three touchdowns. Um, it's actually funny. I was actually talking to you, Jackson, in the, the time that I actually was able to cut on the game to watch it. As soon as I t- turned the game on, he actually throws a deep ball to A.D. Mitchell to basically put the dagger in um, against Alabama. So that was super fun to watch. So shout out to Quinn Ewers from Texas. You are our number one quarterback for week two. I love it. I'm excited. Quinn Ewers going up in the highs of rankings. Can he continue the hype for Texas? Can they go back to where most people, including Texas fans, believe they belong in the top of the college football world? As we head on to week three, what a great week two it was. Um, week three, not going to be as you know appealing as week two. It's going to be hard to beat week two. But, Cody, we did this last week. We got to do it once again. We're going to collab together, and we're going to make a top ten. Our top ten, the point after's top ten, heading into week three. For reference on last week, so we got Georgia one, Michigan two, we had Florida State three, Bama four, we had Penn State five, Washington six, Tennessee seven, USC eight, Notre Dame nine, and Utah at ten. Just for reference. Now, we look on to this next week. Georgia, Michigan, one and two. Are we in a disagreement of that? Solid. Sounds good to me. Solid. At three. I'm thinking Florida State. What are you thinking? I'm thinking Texas. Better win Mm. compared to the Florida State win over LSU at this moment (laughs) in time. If we look down the road, maybe that LSU win for Florida State looks a little bit better. Mm. Um, I'm just going to go with the – perception of Texas going on the road to Bama as opposed to Florida State playing a neutral site game with LSU. I can rock with that. Texas making it into our top 10. They were not ranked last week in our top 10, which is okay. Hey, that's how shocking that win was for sure. Um, Florida one. State four. We go with Florida State at four. Like it. Moves down one, but not because of their talent or what they've done. It's just how great of a win that was for Texas. Absolutely. Now we get into the good stuff. Five through eight. We had Penn State at five last week. I'm looking right now. Do we keep Penn State at five, or do we think we want to solidify a different team in there at five? I would say right now what USC is doing with Caleb Williams is better than what Penn was, State have done so far at this point. So I think they're right now a better team. I agree with that. And we look at Penn State's schedule real quick because USC, I agree with that. They've got Iowa next week. Not this week, but the week after. they got 25 Iowa, which will be a good game. They've later got Ohio State. And they got Michigan as well. So maybe that Iowa game will be something that we can see a ranked win-wise. But, yeah, USC, not great competition, but what Caleb Williams is doing right now is absolutely ridiculous. I'm fine with them at five. At six. At six. And is this where we put Penn State, or do we put a team like Washington with a good win last week? They've got Michigan State this upcoming week. They've been looking really good. Uh, do we do we squeeze Washington up? I'd be fine with Washington at six, which we had them at six last week. I'd keep Washington at six again because of the perception of what Washington is as a football team compared to Penn State right now. Okay, so Washington at six. Now, I think at seven, we've got to put Penn State at seven. I think they moved yep. down two spots. Um, not because of anything. We put Penn State at seven. Tennessee, we had at seven last week. From what I saw from against Austin PA, I don't know if we put them in the top ten. Maybe even maybe ten or nine. I don't know. They did not look good against Austin PA last week. No. Yeah. I mean, Austin P plays them tough because I think it's actually in that. Like, I think Austin P is actually in Tennessee, so it's like mm. one of those like 
little like David and Goliath type moments yeah. for them every time yeah. they play Tennessee. Um, I think you'd like to hear this. I'm going to go Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame has been more impressive than any of the other teams left in the top 10. So Notre, I think Notre Dame, Dame moves up one eight. spot from nine to eight. I like that a lot. Um, <clears throat> nine and 10. I think nine or 10, we've got to put Oregon in there after what we saw from Texas Tech. They were not in our top 10 last week. So I'm going to leave it up to you for nine and 10. Um, we've got Oregon still on the board. We've got Alabama in contention. We've got Utah. Um, we got LSU. We got Ohio State. Who are we kind of thinking there for that nine spot? We think in Oregon here? Oregon and then Alabama brings up the rear at 10. No Ohio State for me. Why? <clears throat> we all know why. <laughs> last time, last time we said they haven't proved anything was Texas and they won against Bama. But I agree with you. Youngston State, cool, McCord. That's your ooh, okay, cool. You did it against Youngstown State, whatever. Okay, I can I can agree with you on that. Yeah, last year CJ Stroud would have put up eighty five points in that game, and Kyle McCord put up forty. So I think that's a problem. I don't think that Kyle McCord is the answer, but ultimately we'll see. Because if week four, Ohio State, you're on the clock. I'm just telling mm, you right now. Mm, that's going to be a hell of a week four, which we will tease at the end of the episode. But, Cody, we've got more football this weekend. Now, it's going to be tough to beat what we did last week. We had 12 games that we broke down. However, there's a lot of, like, welcome to the episode games or welcome to the uh, actually playing some meaningful games for some of these teams. And we're going to start out with 11 Tennessee at Florida. Now, you're probably wondering, Jackson, Florida got smoked against Utah. Why is this a matchup? This is a matchup for two reasons. One, this is an SEC matchup. First SEC matchup of the year for both teams. And two, it's kind of an on-the-road test for Joe Milton. What is he made of? What is his offense made of? Cody, what's your biggest key to the game for this Tennessee-Florida? What's something that you're going to look out for? Intricate coverages from Florida and their defense. Ultimately, at the end of the day, can Joe Milton throw the football? Yes. But we said in our preview episode of the entire season, Joe Milton, just like Jalen Milrow, mm. you need to limit your turnovers and be able to throw intermediate and short passes in order to open up those downfield shots to showcase your arm strength. If he is not able to hit those slants, digs, hitches, unders, mesh, drive concepts on a regular basis, Tennessee will be in trouble in this football game, but I think ultimately they will pull it out. Something about Tennessee that uh, struck me when I was watching some uh, you know, other broadcasters talk about this game is that Tennessee this season so far has only thrown for two passes over 20 yards. Only two passes so far. They've also averaged 6.1 yards per carry, which means tells me that they're really leaning on this run game. They're super heavy on this run game with uh, Jalen Wright, and they've got Jabari Small, two running backs that were there last year. Um, I'd love to see them attack the run game more, but also – They've got the weapons on the outside, Cody. They got Squirrel White. They've got Brew McCoy. Um, we've saw against Alabama, who can be a deep threat there. They obviously lose Cedric Tillman and Jalen Hyatt, but I want to see them, you know, ground get the ground and pound game running. Florida's got a really good defensive line, so I think that D line, that front seven is going to be really good. A good matchup against that Tennessee, uh, Tennessee offense. And then, like you mentioned for for uh, for Bama when Texas played, I want Tennessee to win those one on one matchups. Let's see Joe Milton. In a primetime SEC game, air that ball out. See, they've been saying that he can throw it 107 yards, but lean on the run game, play action deep balls, because that's what Joe Milton, if you can get Joe Milton to hit one of those deep balls, that only brings up his confidence, as you know, being a quarterback too. On the other side of it, what are some things you're looking for for Florida? Graham Mertz, Ricky Pearsall, wide receiver. 
Billy Napier, this is a big game for him at home. Like we mentioned before, this is a hot seat kind of year for him. What does Florida need to do in order to come out with this win? Well, first, let's make sure that we have the proper numbers on the field this week, Florida. No three and three <laughs> being on the same field at the same damn time. That would be a oh, good No, but Graham Mertz, Graham Mertz, you transferred from Wisconsin. You transferred to Florida. Everyone was talking about this being a big transfer and an impact transfer. It's time for you to show us. Primetime mm. game. You have, like you said, Ricky Pierce on the outside, some other younger receivers on the outside that can make plays. Um, you're surrounded by better talent than you had at Wisconsin. It's time for you to step up and actually really show, are you a next-level quarterback or was this a mistake moving to the SEC? I think he steps up and plays better than he has in the first couple weeks. Um, however, I do ultimately think that Tennessee does come out on top in this game uh, just because ultimately superior talent, which is crazy to say at this time that Tennessee has not only recruited better, but also mm. developed their talent better. Um, and I think Josh Heupel's offense is just too good um, in the swamp. What is the score you have on that? I'm going Tennessee as well. I'm going 35-20. What's your score, sir? Great choice. I think Tennessee 38-20 um, over the Florida Gators. Shout out to Cliff Taylor the fourth. Sorry, bud. Uh, Sorry. Tennessee's going to clip you guys in the swamp this weekend. Don't kill so us. We, for the reason why we're doing scores out there, people, we I looked at the last week's scores. We were very close on some of them. But very if we get the exact score right, what do we say? Three points, four points? I think that's pretty – rare for us to get the exact score three points let's do it three points hell yeah um lastly before we move on to the next game we forgot to mention i think a key player for florida you mentioned the running back duo for this for this florida team they got trevor etm and montrell johnson jr last week i know it was mcneese they combined for over 200 yards rushing between the two and three touchdowns look out for those guys and i forgot they've got another one they've got Trayon webb They've got four running backs who combined for five touchdowns against McNeese. Not going to do that against Tennessee. But those are some key <laughs> players to watch out there. Is there a key guy that comes to mind for you, either Tennessee or Florida, that maybe some people should look out for? Uh, I think it's Squirrel White. I mean, you said his name earlier. He's a receiver on the outside that can win one-on-one matchups. Florida is known to be a defensive back-centric uh, defense. Um, I'm just going to go and think that Squirrel White is just simply better. Brew McCoy is just simply better than the players that Florida has in the back end of their defense. Um, Florida, shorten the football game, run the football, get into some play action for Graham Mertz, some max protection, hit some deep balls, and hopefully you guys can keep it close because ultimately at the, end of the, at the end of the game, night game in the swamp, it can get hectic. The swamp gets loud, over 90,000 mm. plus. Um, I know our boy Cliff Taylor will be there um, handing out those Florida Gator GLDs. Mm. Got one right here, in fact. Woo, woo, woo. Uh, uh, but ultimately, I think, uh, yeah, Tennessee pulls it out, 38-20. to 20. Tennessee pulls out. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite as well. We'll stay in the SEC. South Carolina at one Georgia. Georgia, finally, a decent opponent, probably the best opponent they played all year. This game will be on SEC on CBS at 1230. U- UGA, Georgia's favored by 27-and-a-half points. And for me, Cody, the thing I'm looking out for – is a receiver on the outside, Xavier Leggett, right? He's a wide receiver. He was the go-to against UNC. He's going to have to test this UGA defensive backfield that is unreal. They've got Starks, they've got Lissetter, and they've got Bullard. All first-team defensive backs, three out of the four SEC first teams are on this Georgia team. So I'm looking forward to that. But the biggest thing for South Carolina, can they protect long enough 
to make Spencer Rattler get some time to complete these passes and run an offense because that UNC D line is not as good as the UGA defensive line that they bring in every single year at all. So for me, Cody, that is my biggest thing I'm looking forward to and watching. What about you? Um, There's a few things. I mean, I think be on the lookout. You already said Mr. Leggett on the outside for South Carolina, Mm -hmm. but also be aware of maybe a couple trick plays uh, to carry on Joyner, who plays on the outside, kind of H-back wide receiver. He's a mm. former Elite 11 quarterback. Don't be surprised if you see maybe a double pass, Spencer Rattler to uh, to, to carry on Joyner, who throws it deep to Leggett, or maybe a reverse pass or something like that. You know, uh, they are coached by one of the Beamer sons, so ultimately you never know. Special teams could play a large factor in this game, block a punt mm. maybe, um, steal a couple possessions here and there on special teams, onside kicks. Um, ultimately, at the end of the day, I think UGA's talent wins over. But just don't be surprised if South Carolina is in this game late because of those reasons that I just stated before. And then this is a game that smells Brock Bowers, right? This is a this is a game where you you give him the ball, you feed him the ball. We can't we can't mention Georgia without mentioning Brock Bowers. But another guy I want to mention, walk on. Uh, I think it's his name is Makai Muse. This guy is a sophomore, five eight. He looks like he's five three out there. This dude has speed. He's a special teams player. He's a punt returner, kickoff returner, but he's a wide receiver too. This university might be walk on you. This guy deserves a scholarship. He's been playing. Uh, He's definitely a guy to look out for for this UGA offense. Yeah, you know, um, he had a big return last weekend. Um, Like you said, he's small, but the boy can run. So uh, shout out to Mr. Muse. Uh, You are definitely one to keep an eye on. South Carolina does usually excel in special teams, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to get a big return. Does that kind of like break the dam and kind of open the game up either Mm -hmm. early or late for UGA? So this is the first SEC game that Carson Beck's going to be playing in. What do you need to see from him? I know this is a guy that's been super quiet on one of the best teams, obviously the number one team in the country. But again, a guy that's been in the program for a while, what do you think? What do you think Carson Beck needs to do? If you're the head coach, you're speaking to Carson Beck ahead of this game. What are you saying to him? What do you need to expect from him? I think you just let him know, hey, if you manage the football game, let our defense, special teams, and running game take you home, take your shots when they're there, um, and just make sure that you're efficient. You know, I, I see him kind of being like 20 for 28 or 17 mm. for 25 for like 200 yards, a couple touchdowns. Maybe he throws an early pick, maybe like one turnover. If he can limit his turnovers to one turnover – Maximum maybe two. I think Georgia's talented enough to make sure that uh, they force enough turnovers on their end um, and like flip the field special teams-wise with their special teams um, to be able to beat South Carolina this weekend. You think this is a make-it-break-it game for Spencer Rattler? I mean, what we saw with him against UNC, now this is kind of their biggest test, big game against the number one team in the country to kind of prove that he can play maybe in the next level. Well, what do you think is going through his mind through this game? I think ultimately this is one of the first big – big stages that he'll be able to play on this year. I don't consider that. I know that North Carolina game was kind of a nationally televised game and it's a rivalry game. But when you get into Mm. the SEC, that's kind of where you start to see those defenses that kind of can raise your draft stock. Um, Mm. Similar to like a Joe Burrow, you know, came into the SEC, had one year under his belt, um, played decently. And then obviously we know what he did in 2019 when he was the entrenched starter and came back. So Mm. I think Spencer Rattler, I know you took some lumps in that first game. Let's just say it was first game, yips and jitters. Um, you came back 25 to 27 for over 300 yards and four touchdowns this last weekend. Let's see if you maybe you can duplicate that performance. Limit your turnovers and just let your defense and special teams bring you home. So, Cody, my prediction in this game, I got UGA winning. 
But I, I think South Carolina covers is 27 and a half is a lot. I'm going 35-14 here. I think it's going to be kind of a low scoring. I don't think UGA is going to score a ton more than we think. Yeah. Uh, 35-14 is what I'm thinking there. What about you, sir? I'm going 35-17. 35-17. Yeah, I think they definitely cover. I think they definitely cover. Ultimately, at the end of the day, like there's no way that George is beating South Carolina by four touchdowns. It's just not happening. You just you just priced this right at me. Have you have I you sure seen did. the show Prices Right? Sure yeah. did. <laughs> you definitely did. Well, the next matchup, which is an intriguing matchup in the beginning of the season, and there's been some speculation around the other school. Um, eight Washington at Michigan State. Both teams are undefeated. Washington is a 16 point favorite now. People are going to say, you know, the hell, the whole Mel Tucker thing, which we're going to talk to in a bit. Um, Cody, for me, for some reason, I don't know if, if I could be tripping here. I could be wrong. But it seems always when a team like this has either a coach fired during the season, they play fired up, out of their minds, and it screams upset alert for Michigan State. Am I wrong saying that? If I'm watching, I said it in the preview episode, Washington needs to watch out for this football game. Okay? Anytime you take a team, have them face some adversity, and then you bring back a coach that has had a lot of success, Mark D'Antonio, Mm. I think that's going to be very, very big for this program. I think ultimately I know he's not the head guy, but simply having him in the fold, helping guys, um, mm. and a guy who's been there, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it reminds me a little bit of a couple of years ago, uh, Bob Stoops uh, left that's Oklahoma who it was. with Lincoln that's Riley. Who it was. Yeah, Bob yep. Stoops left Oklahoma from like Lincoln Riley comes in, leaves for USC. They bring back Bob Stoops. And they smacked Florida in the Sugar Bowl with Spencer Rattler. Shout out Spencer Rattler. Mm. Um, so ultimately, like we've seen it before. So Washington, be aware. Do not play with your food this weekend. You should win this game by two or more touchdowns. But don't be surprised if this game is close late. This guy is good, folks. This guy is good. I was literally thinking, I'm like, I feel like this has happened recently. But I couldn't think of it. Um, for Michigan State, they've got a good quarterback, man. I think he's the first ever Asian-American quarterback uh, to play and start a game in college football. Noah Kim, 67% passing, 571 yards and five touchdowns. This kid can ball, right? So he's not really – they got nothing to lose. Michigan State there, the whole Mel Tucker thing going on for me. I think for me, for Washington, a guy to look out for that I want to see kind of step out is Braylon Trice. We talked about him before the season. Um, I don't know his stats right now, but this is, seems like a game against a Big Ten school um, that he shows out most. Who's the guy that you're looking forward to watching – um, again, Penix going back to the Big Ten. He's experienced, you know, Michigan State before. Who are some guys that you're looking forward to watching this Washington squad? Yeah, you know, I think ultimately the biggest thing is can Michigan State score enough points to keep up with what I call probably the most explosive offense in the country right now? I mean, other than USC, I think that those are the mm. two top offenses in the country. And I think they're starting to separate themselves to make it very clear. I think this is a great opportunity for Jalen Polk, Roma Dunze, and Jalen McMillan to really solidify themselves as the best receiving core in the country. And anytime you can go into Ohio State's backyard, and I reference Ohio State because they have the claim as wide receiver you right now, but anytime you can go into Ohio State's backyard, being the Big Ten, and put on a showcase against a team that has regularly given Ohio State troubles, don't be surprised if you see those three have a big football game with Michael Penix throwing the football. What's going on with the Big Ten, man? Why are all these scandals going on in the Big Ten? I mean, this Mel Tucker thing is actually crazy, and – and, uh, I mean, it, it's not a good thing for Michigan State, but I know they were contemplating whether to fire him or not. 
I'm not saying this is a good alternative for him. However, with this whole thing going on, he does not get paid the rest of his contract, $95 million, which is kind of good. However, this whole thing right now is he said, she said, we don't know what's going on there. But when you heard the news, what were your first thoughts in an issue? Because I was shocked by this. Not as, Obviously, I was more shocked for Pat Fitzgerald and the whole Northwestern thing, but this one was pretty shocking from a guy like Mel Tucker. Honestly, I like I rolled my eyes, not because I didn't think he was guilty, but because it's like, why can't we just focus on football? Like, goodness yeah. gracious. These got like, like you said, $95 million, hundreds of millions of dollars are on the table. Focus on football. Focus on getting these mm. kids to the next level. Focus on development. Focus on creating great lasting relationships that last you a lifetime. Why are we worried about women on campus? Like at the end of the day, Mel Tucker, yeah. you probably have a beautiful wife, a beautiful family. Why are we focusing on anything other than football and your program? It's really disappointing. I really hope it's not true. But ultimately, unfortunately, what we've seen is things like this are true. And so at the end of the day, like I'm very disappointed, not only in Mel Tucker, but also the people that around him, because ultimately we do have handlers, so like media, um, mm. people that prepare you for media, people for, that prepare you for visits and things like that. And just like uh, public relations, like whoever the publicist is, like you got to get like somebody's got to get fired. If it's not Mel Tucker, if Mel Tucker gets fired, someone else needs to get fired as well. I think he's already been fired. I think he's already been fired. Got you. It, it was either fired or like he was like suspended without. Yeah, he pay was suspended and then they fired him shortly after. So he's been, he's been yeah. fired. Yeah. yeah so. um, but yeah. yeah, I mean, it's a whole weird situation for Mel Tucker. I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, I don't wish upon, you know, someone being a sexual harassment or towards someone like that. But out of all the people. This girl that she he's sexually harassed literally speaks to teams about sexual harassment. Like literally speaks to teams. So if you're sensing, like if she's like sensing that she's getting sexual harassed, she's probably getting sexual harassed because she literally speaks to programs about this. Her job. So it's like on her side, it's like you can't she can't be lying about this. Why would she be lying about something like this? She literally went through it when she was young, and now she's kind of talking to teams about it and what she experienced and like trying to you know raise awareness for it but man mel tucker this is not a good image for you i don't see how he comes out of this i really do not see how he comes out of this i think his coaching career is done and you know i don't know what the charges and stuff's going to go on later but again i'm i'm i don't know we got to talk fall but man frustrating definitely very frustrating well when we look at this game cody who do you got in this matchup and why Washington scores too many points. I don't think Michigan State can score enough points to keep up with Washington. And historically, Michigan State is awful against the pass. So, Washington wins big. 45-20. to 20. I think it's close in the first half. Ultimately, I think Washington starts to separate. Their talent on offense just starts to shine through. They lean on that front seven, in, not only in the running game, but then they're also going to play action let the RPO game and Michael Penix not only use his arm, but also his legs in the second half. And I think Washington starts to pull away um, and Michael Penix scores an early uh, win in the Big Ten. I am going Washington 42-14. So mm, close there. We'll, we'll see who, what happens. What's Now whose price is riding me? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> low man wins, low man wins. It was funny when I was looking at the, the scores from last week. I think like three times we picked the winner – and we picked like the leading score. We didn't get the alternate score by like two or three points. We were pretty so we're close. close, folks. Oh, we're yeah. pretty close. It's, it's pretty rare to get the exact score right, but we'll try to do it here. This next game, we're going to the Big 12. And I understand some of these games aren't really the most attractive games, 
However, the spread is really low. Kansas State, 15 Kansas State on the road at Missouri, 9 a.m. on SEC Network. Kansas State only fared by three and a half. So that tells me that maybe Missouri is better than what people think. SEC team, obviously a tough, you know, a tough outing. They've had a tough start to the season. You got Kansas State. We haven't seen a lot of good opponents against them. Kind of an early test for this Kansas State team. What intrigues you? What sticks out to you most about a 15 Kansas State going on the road to Missouri? Anytime you go on the road to an SEC school, although not this year apparently, but anytime you go on the road to an <laughs> yeah. SEC school, yeah. especially from the Big 12, you know, it's going to be physical football. Now, Kansas State, Missouri, former Big 12 foes, they've played in the past. They're bordering states. They play hard. It's a bit of a rivalry. Um, it'll be interesting to see uh, can Will Howard and Kansas State live up to their ranking at 15 going on the road to Missouri. Uh, shout out to Jabari Johnson, former quarterback up here from the Pacific Northwest, played for FSP and Tracy Ford, played at mm. uh, Lincoln High School in Tacoma. Um, he is now at Missouri uh, fighting for some playing time. Hopefully we get to see him this weekend play against Kansas State. Um, I think just Kansas State has a little bit too much talent They've done such a good job, not only in the transfer portal, but also in regular recruiting as well. Um, ultimately, I think Kansas State pulls away late in this game. So I'm going to go 35-24. Kansas State scores a big road victory for the Big 12. Love it. Love it there. I'm going Kansas State. Well, I want to see what Will Howard's about. I also want to see this running game for Kansas State. That's a big thing I'm looking forward to there. Again, don't know a whole lot about Missouri, but show out. Show out. This is a, a big game. At home against 15 Kansas State. But again, I think Kansas State pulls out. I'm going a close one. I'm going 28 to 20. All I think right. it's going to be a, a one score game. Missouri has the ball, maybe throws a late pick. Kansas State wins. And that's all she wrote. Love. Lastly, the fifth game here. And uh, again, we apologize. There's only five games here, but if you look at the if you look at the rundown for this weekend, these are the best five games. Really we're sorry, there. we're just getting you guys ready for week four. We're not going to take up That's all your time now. Exactly, so exactly, we exactly. <laughs> we're saving our energy for week three so we can prepare you for our 15 game breakdown for week four. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. But again, 14 LSU home against Mississippi State. Now this one's interesting to me, Cody. LSU's favored by nine and a half. 9 a.m. game, not a night game there in Mississippi State where it was last time. Fun fact for you, which I didn't know this until I watched, uh, I looked at the stats for Arizona-Mississippi State. Will Rogers only threw the ball 15 times, which means he's eager to throw it once again. In the air raid offense, we all know Mike Leach, RIP. Um, that's his offense that he built there at Mississippi State. Look for him to throw the ball more. But, Cody, this screams a, a tough game for LSU, maybe a tougher game than what people expect. Um, what do you see in this matchup? What's going to stick out to you here? Anytime you go on the road to a conference opponent that has normally played you tough, I think this is a trap game for LSU. Don't be surprised if it's close in the fourth quarter. Those cowbells are going to be ringing at Mississippi State in Stark Vegas. It's going to be lit. More than likely, they'll do like a whiteout or a maroon out or something like that for the game. Um, LSU, be very, very careful. Uh, like you said, Will Rogers has not thrown the ball very much. That doesn't mean that they won't hop into spread and start throwing that thing all over the place. Ultimately, mm. at the end of the day, that's their identity down there. I know they're trying to change it, but I'm telling you, at the end of the day, Mississippi State and Will Rogers, they recruited and have older players that have been in the air raid. Don't be surprised if you see four and five wide receiver sets to make sure that they can get their playmakers in space to get away from uh, those good linebackers and D-line from LSU. Mm. Yeah, and LSU's got Mason Smith back. He wasn't there for the Florida State game. Their defensive lineman, that's a projected first round. He comes back for this game, too. 
This screams a game for both Jaden Daniels and for this team to gain some momentum, right? This seems like a game that we need to see Jaden Daniels kind of break out, either get two touchdowns passing, two touchdowns rushing, him on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, Harold Perkins, right? We've we've seen him in this new role. Will this be the game that he breaks out and we say, oh, okay, I understand why Brian Kelly changed him up and put him in this role, even though you and I talked a couple episodes ago. We don't think that's the best role for him. Let him be see ball, get ball, see quarterback, get quarterback. Absolutely. Not have to stay there and kind of be a zone defender in space. But for me, I'm going LSU in this one. I'm going 35-28. I think it's a close scoring game. Being on the road at Mississippi State, it's a tough game. But again, these are kind of do or die games. Them and Alabama are kind of the two that are like, we got to win if we want to keep, you know, reach our goals that we want to reach. So I got LSU there. What about you? What kind of sticks out to you once again? What other key points you got? And then who do you got winning this? Jaden Daniels. This is your first kind of step back up into the spotlight. You need to play well this game. I say he goes for 350, 400 yards passing, four touchdowns. LSU is close late, but I'll say they pull it out 34-28. Oh, my gosh. That's crazy. I went 35-28. Two field goals (laughs) instead of a touchdown. Two field goals, Mr. Cody Oaks says. Upset pick time. Favorite part of the segment. These are worth uh, two points? Are they worth two points? Yes. Two points? Okay, two points. I think mine should be worth five if this happens. Wow. I'm going bold. I'm going bold here. I'm going bold. I'm going with the Big Sky School on the road to the Pac-12 school. Give me Idaho over California. I said it here first. Idaho can ball. Shout out to my boy Hayden Hatton. Preseason All-American, Big Sky Preseason Offensive Player of the Year. Look out for him to have a big game, as well as Hogan Hatton, who's a long snapper as well. Idaho goes into California and says, hey, Callie, you guys stink. Idaho, we got the potatoes, and we can ball up here in the north. You did not take my pick, bro. I had, That's I the same one? Just beat Nevada 33-6 to last week. I think they spring the upset back-to-back. They go big uh, Mountain West first week. Pac-12 second week, solidify themselves as a top five program in the FCS this week. Shout out Hayden John from Anacorda. Shout out to Thomas Ford Jr., running backs coach out there, formerly of Washington and formerly you did not, of Simon Fraser. No, 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 I said it first. I said it first. You did not pick the same one as me. That's crazy. That is insane. I, I thought I picked it outlier. I was like, there's no way Cody picked this one. It is an outlier, though. Uh, Okay, well, I'm going to – okay, we can both pick Idaho over Cal, but real quick, I'm going to look. We got to pick a different one. We got to be separate, but we can both agree with Idaho over Cal. Okay. And we're back. After deliberation, we've talked about our upset picks. This time, we definitely know that we did not pick the same one. (laughs) That was weird. All right, we made sure we each picked our own one, but, Cody, I'm going to give you the four because I believe this one is in your favorite conference. Yeah, you know, uh, they call it the Fun Belt for a reason, the Sun Belt Conference. I'm going to pick Old Dominion over Wake Forest. Now, hear me out. Ooh. Last two years, or sorry, the last two times Old, Old Dominion has played an ACC opponent, <coughs> Virginia Tech, they have beaten them once at home, once on the road. So, shout out to ODU. Mm. You guys are going to get the win on the at home against Wake Forest. You guys are a 14-point underdog. I think you cover the spread, and you win outright. Old Dominion beats Wake Forest 28-24. The fun belt. I love it. The best conference in football there. App State almost beating UNC last week. For me, I'm staying in the state I'm in right now, Arizona. 
I'm going Arizona State over Fresno State. I don't know how they're an underdog in this matchup, but again, Kenny Dillingham looking right at you. Throw some deep shots with your guy, Jaden Rashada. Make him feel comfortable. Give it to Xavier Guillory. Give it to Cameron Scadabo, the running back. Uh, this is their third straight home game. They got to go two and one here. These are home exactly. games that you don't have a lot of home games throughout the season against Fresno State. Um, I'm surprised that they're not the favorite in this one. But again, maybe it's because of the performance against Oklahoma State and a close game against Southern Utah. But I think the defense steps up big here. I'm going to ASU. I'm going to ASU. Hopefully they can win here. If they lose this one, it's going to be a rough rest of the season for ASU. They've got for a tough sure. schedule. Up Love there. the pick. However, shout out Pat McCann, wide receiver coach, offensive assistant for Fresno State, my former mm. college teammate. Shout yeah. out, Pat. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Okay, sick. Well, we will team up together. And if Idaho beats California, we're going to go nuts because that would actually be crazy for both of us to pick that one there. Absolutely. Um, as we wrap this episode up, Cody, we've got to mention week four. This week four is actually ridiculous. And we are going to come back next week with a week three recap. But we're going to have a big, long week four preview. Like, I've, I've listed – 12 games. I've listed here 12 games. Where are we at? So, we've got 24 UCLA against Utah. Amazing. Hopefully Cam Rising plays. Oregon State against Wazoo. Sorry for my shitty handwriting. Right? Oregon State against Wazoo. The Pac-2. Who's most dominant between these two? We will see. At Wazoo will be nuts. Oklahoma at Cincinnati. Both teams are going to be undefeated. Oklahoma, I'm excited to see you talk about this game. Six Ohio State at Notre Dame is going to be the game of the week. It can be the game of the week. I'm so excited to see Notre Dame play against Ohio State, Kyle McCord versus Sam Hartman. Florida State. It's going to be close. I hope not. That'd be that'd be amazing. That'd be awesome for Notre Dame. Florida State against Clemson. <laughs> yes, Clemson's been struggling, but I think they'll be ranked by the time they play this game. Probably at 24-25. Don't be shocked if they're at 24. Can Clemson overcome what they've overcame? Garrett Riley and Kate Klumnick figure it the F out. Any thoughts between these? Sorry, I'm, I'm kind of hogging the segment. Any no, thoughts good, you have between good, it's these? It's good. It's good. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. Okay, Keep okay, it. okay. 17 Ole Miss at 10 Alabama. Lane Kiffin versus his old Nick Saban. We love Jackson Kiffin Dart. Saban. We love Kiffin versus Saban. We love Oh, oh. <laughs> Kiffin wants it bad. This could, if they win, this could be this could be the dagger in Alabama season there. And hey, my CFP. Who said that Alabama was going to lose three games this year? Okay, just making sure. Just making you sure. did, you did, you did, you did. Deion Sanders' first test in the Pac-12. 18 Colorado. Don't make, they're probably going to be 17-16 against 13 Oregon. On the road at Austin. Whoo, that's a stiff test right there, Prime. Yeah. Can you do it? We're better, better get that Colorado defense ready. That's going to be a high-scoring game. That's going to be a very high-scoring game. Shador Sanders versus Bo Nix. Arkansas at 14 LSU. Huge. Welcome to the party, KJ Jefferson. Huge. And Raheem Sanders. KJ Jefferson, Raheem Sanders, ranked earlier this year by ESPN as the best backfield duo in the country. We kind of poo-pooed that, but (laughs) whatever. (laughs) 25 Iowa at 7 Penn State. You could say Drew Auer's first test. Best defense he's faced in Iowa. Best probably defense he's placed in McNamara, McNamara versus Aller, Franklin versus, I don't know, this guy's Frank something. He's been there forever. What intrigues you about Iowa and Penn State? I'll look it up next week, guys. Yeah, don't worry. You're good. You're good. Uh, I think ultimately Drew Aller is just better 
than Cade McNamara. And I think that wow. the Iowa the Iowa defense is better than Penn State's, but not as much as Aller is better than McNamara. Mm. Penn State will win this game, but don't be surprised if it's like 14 to 10, 21 17. It'll be close. So I put this game on here for two reasons. One, because Cody has UCF in his championship prediction. And two, their quarterback's out. Could he play this game? Who knows? However, most teams, I was shocked with Tulane. Their backup didn't play too bad. So will the backup for UCF be decent against Kansas State? Do the, is this going to be a game? Is this going to be a game or do we not even take our time with this game? It's going to be a game, damn it. <laughs> UCF, your first Big 12 game. Make it happen. Let's go. Let's go. I mean, who knows? Maybe maybe they'll be like the Jets with Zach Wilson, you know, Aaron Rodgers out for the season. Maybe they'll pull something out of their, get out of their hat and get win inspired. a big game. Against- Let's go. Get inspired. Exactly. For Texas at Baylor. Now, I put this on here for two reasons. One, because for Texas, they're going to be the highlight of the season. Two, at Baylor, we just saw Utah almost freaking lose that game at Baylor. They've got nothing to lose. I think this is a game that we got to preview. Coach Aranda has will have that Baylor defense flying around. Texas, do not sleepwalk into Baylor and into Waco. You will get slapped around by that David Aranda defense. They score it. I'm just saying, don't be surprised. This screams letdown. You just beat Alabama on the road. Now, do you walk in there with the swagger of a top four team? Or do you walk in there with the arrogance of a top four four team? To me, there's a big difference. We'll see. And then lastly, I'm just making sure I didn't miss anything here. Wisconsin at Purdue. I think this is going to be a hell of a game. Hudson Card versus Tanner Mordecai. The two transfers back at it against each other. This is a do or die game. I mean, obviously, you know, the Big Ten both haven't, you know, haven't lost a game in the Big Ten. But Wisconsin, can they rebound? And Purdue, can they do something special with Hudson Card? I think that Purdue getting that first win last week was big. But I just think Wisconsin's going to be angry coming off of that mm. loss against a Wazoo team that they probably should have beat. They're more talented then. Um they definitely didn't run the football effectively. So don't be surprised if you see 30 carries for Braylon Allen and 30 carries for his backup. Mm. <laughs> like they might, Tanner Mordecai <laughs> might throw the ball five times this weekend. We'll see though. Wow. Or next weekend. We'll see though. I think Wisconsin, wow. Wisconsin's going to be playing angry. I think that Purdue uh, does have a little bit of swagger and confidence. So it might be closer than maybe people might think. But um, yeah, this screams bounce back for Wisconsin. Uh, and then I got two more games. Again, we don't know if we're going to preview these for next week. But, again, just based on what they look like, I got USC at Arizona State. Big. That'll be fun to watch. I mean, another home game for Arizona State. Golly, four straight, five straight Gs. <laughs> and then UTSA at Tennessee. Texas UTSA. Look, man, I'm telling you, they score the football. They play good offense. They're disciplined. They're older. Tennessee, if you turn the ball over, don't be surprised if it's closer late in the game. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, three, fourteen potential games that we're broad- we're going to be breaking down next week. Stay tuned. We might have missed some games. We're going to look at some obviously at at different times right now that we're going to maybe broadcast. Might even do fourteen, fifteen, and those even are upset games. We might have an upset game in those two. So stay tuned for week four, Cody. Can't believe we're about to be three weeks into college football. It's crazy. It's what a three time, weeks man. of college football. What's been your biggest what what's been your biggest positive that you've seen? Your biggest negative that you've seen? Maybe your biggest surprise, biggest letdown you've seen 
the first couple of weeks of college football. And we'll wrap this episode up. Definitely. Biggest positive has to be Colorado and Coach Prime. Everyone said mm. he couldn't do it. Everyone was poo-pooing the way he flipped over his roster. Gotta love to see a guy be able to succeed and kind of walk in his confidence. You love to see it. Um, so shout out Coach Prime, Colorado. Um, hopefully we might be able to get to a game of yours sometime soon. Um, and then biggest letdown is all the scan. Uh, the, the, actually, fuck that. The NCAA. Fuck you guys. What you guys did to Tez Walker. Like, NCAA, yeah. shame on you. That's bullshit what you guys did to that young man. He should be playing right now for North Carolina and be in the rotation at receiver. NCAA, fuck you. Excuse my language, but that's terrible what you've done to not just Tez Walker, but many other athletes who have tried to transfer just to be close to home and play football. I love how you said that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, for me, positive. How about the Pac-12? Come Let's on, give it up bro. for the Pac-12. The West, Last baby, season, the best the season. West, baby. <laughs> West Coast, the best coast. Absolutely. Yes, sir. I love to see it, man. I know everyone's going to be departing, and the Pac-12 is probably going to be gone. But again, to end on a high note like this, hopefully praying one of them makes the CFP. Praying one of them makes the CFP. However, eight teams in the top 25 is absolutely ridiculous. Hopefully they don't beat each other out. And if they do, then so be it. Hopefully they kill it in the bowl games, and they have a good record in the bowl games to kind of end off for the Pac-12 there. Um, positive B. Sam Hartman looks fucking phenomenal for Notre Absolutely. Dame. I'm sorry, I got to say it. He looks like he's been there for eight years. Man, he looks good. That offense looks good in that defense, too. I'm excited for that Ohio State game. Um, I got two positives. Do you have another positive? Shout out Dylan Gabriel. Zero turnovers, multiple <laughs> touchdowns. We're oh. putting up points out there on the planes, baby. Boomer Stooner. Negative. Negative for me. Again, I'm going to go Clemson. I'm going to go Clemson. I mean, come on, Dabo. You bring in Garrett Riley like this. Cade Klubnick, year two. We thought you were going to be something special. Again, we'll see what you do in week four against Florida State. Clemson, for me, is going to be a negative. Um, I want to see him turn it around, man. I don't want to see a dynasty or something go away. I don't know if they're really called a dynasty. Maybe they are. They kind of um, falling off recently. Exactly. They were kind of a dynasty for a little bit, and they fell off. But, uh Maybe they'll turn it around. Who knows? That was such a good guy. I love the way he coaches. It kind of sucks that they're, you know, kind of in a downfall. Absolutely. Well, Cody, what a banger episode we have here. Uh, about to get you guys updated with the big, biggest, best college football podcast. Also want to say, I forgot to mention in the beginning, we do appreciate all the positive feedback that we do see. Uh, me and myself, me and Cody, excuse me. Uh, we look at all the comments. We see the negative ones. We obviously do not respond to them. We don't We don't bear our time on them. But we do respond, and we do appreciate the positive feedback. We got a lot of positive comments, Cody. We've got about six to eight, maybe ten comments on YouTube from our last episode. So we appreciate you guys for subscribing, liking the content, more content coming up. Um, our lives, our schedules will open up as the season moves on. We apologize. I apologize for how late this episode came out. Um, it's on my, that's on me. I'll get my push-ups in. I promise you guys next week we'll have the episode on Monday or Tuesday. Then we'll have a big week four preview coming out on that Wednesday, Thursday era. Last thoughts from you, Cody, as we wrap this up. Man, uh, just really excited for um, another week of college football. Also, mm. just wanted to give a big on-air shout-out. Our guy, Brian Hooper, for the intro without you. There yep. is no intro, my boy. We love you, Hoops. Um, other than that, stay blessed, everybody. Hopefully there's no major injuries this weekend, and we can go into mm. week four, a banger week four, with everyone at full strength so we can watch some great football. 
100%. 10 episodes in. It's crazy to think that we're already 10 episodes in. So excited for 10 more and 10 more and 10 more and a bunch more. So yeah. for Cody Oaks, I'm Jackson Gruff. This is the Point After a College Football Show. We will see you next Monday. Peace!